Today's daf is Memhei in Masechet Sukkah. We're going to begin from the Mishnah on the top of the Abud, about four lines down from the top. Mitzvat Arava Ketzad. How does the mitzvah of Arava work? The mitzvah of the willow that was placed uh, in the uh, Bet HaMikdash during the days of Sukkot. There was a place below Yerushalayim, similarly that means to the south of Yerushalayim, it was called Mutzah, they would go to that place, they would get bundles of Aravot from there, and they would place them, uh, leaning them on the sides of the Mizbech, such that their heads uh, were, would um, bend over the Mizbech itself, and then, uh, they would blow the shofar. Tak'u uh, refers to the regular blast of the tekiah. Hariu refers to the tru'ah blast, the broken blast of the shofar. And then tak'u again. Um, when they would place it, they would have a ceremony where they would blow the shofar. Um, every day of, sh- of Sukkot, they would walk around the Mizbech one time. They would say, Please Hashem, save us. Please Hashem. Uh, make us successful. This is, of course, we're familiar with it from the Halel and from Havdalah and other situations in which we recite that Pasuk. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Ani According to Rabbi Yehuda, they would say, Ani which according to Rashi and the Tosafot is a name of Hashem. Ani is a, uh, a name of Hashem that is derived from Sukim. It's one of the names of Hashem, special names of Hashem. According to the Rambam, Ani is a reference to a Pasuk in Hazinu where Hashem says, Ani Anihu. That I am He, meaning I am the only one. That in the times of the ultimate redemption, Hashem's uh, majesty will be revealed, and we say Ani Vahu May Hashem save us. It's a reference to Hashem, not because the letters are a uh, any kind of a code for Hashem derived from Sukim, but just because they actually mean Ani Vahu. I am the only one. And on that day, meaning the seventh day, which is Hoshana Rabbam, they would walk around the Mizbech seven times instead of only one time. Um, According to the uh, according to the Bach, the next part of the Mishnah actually is not part of the Mishnah. It's actually added by the Gemara, um, but uh, we're going to read it because it appears here. When they would leave the the Beit Hamikdash for the day, what would they say? Yofi lach mizbeach, beauty is to you mizbeach. Yofi lach mizbeach, beauty is to you. beauty belongs to you mizbeach. They were praising the mizbeach, and of course, in the context of the time of the year that the mizbeach has just been the instrument, the vehicle of the kapara, of the uh, atonement of Yom Kippur for the Jewish people. So therefore they were appreciating the uh, beauty of the Mizbech, the goodness of the uh, of what the Beit HaMikdash offers them in terms of kapara. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, liyah velach Mizbech. That the person would say, beauty is to you Hashem, liyah velach Mizbech, enter the Mizbech. Liyah velach Mizbech. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, you add in Hashem there. You don't just say, you don't just praise the Mizbech. But you praise Hashem as well, and Gemara is going to discuss how this is somewhat unusual to praise something together with Hashem's name. The same procedure during the week would happen on Shabbat as well. Of course, we're talking about on the seventh day of uh, of uh, Sukkot because that was the only time they would do the Arava on Shabbat. Otherwise, they would uh, omit it on Shabbat. However, they would gather, they would go and harvest and gather the uh, Aravot, not on Shabbat itself, but the day before, and they would place them in golden containers, which obviously had water in them, so that they would not wilt, they would not uh, wither or wilt. 
Rabbi Yochanan ben Borka Omer, Chariot shel Dekel hayu meviin. According to Rabbi Yochanan ben Borka, they would bring actually branches of the palm, not willows, branches of the palm, the chovtinotan bakarka b'tzidah mizbeach, and they would um, bang them into the ground next to the mizbeach. Ba'oto ayom nikra chibut achariot. And that day was called the uh, day of the banging of the uh, of the chariot, of the uh, branches. Um... So there are two interpretations of this. According to Rashi, it means that as soon as they were done with the mitzvah on the seventh day, uh, then every, all the adults would grab the lulavim out of the hands of the children. In other words, they would take it away from them because they no longer needed it, and they would eat the um, they would eat the. Uh, uh, the the etrogim game of the kids. In other words, according to Rashi's interpretation, this is referring to what the adults would do to the kids. That they would take their lulavim and they would take their etrogim and eat them. And he says it was all part of the fun, so it wasn't considered to be uh, stealing or anything like that. According to the uh, alternative interpretation, which Rashi does mention later on, and which Tosfot mentions, it doesn't mean miyad from the hands of the tinokot. It means miyad immediately tinokot from tinet lulavim. The, uh, the children would set aside, they would cast aside their lulavim, and they would eat their own etrogim. It's not talking about what the adults would do to them, but what they themselves would do. So you have these two uh, competing interpretations. This is talking about what adults would do to children, or what the children would do themselves. just want to mention that the Tosfot on Amud Bet mentions Rabbi Yochanan ben Borkam saying that instead of uh, willows, what was brought uh, was uh, actually... Uh, branches of the palm tree, in other words, like additional lulavim, basically. So Tosfot mentions that it sounds on the surface like this means he's disputing the whole idea of mitzvat arava that we said was halachan Moshe misinai, and apparently he doesn't hold by it, and he holds it, no, all that you would have was on the seventh day, chariot shaldekel. However, he then says that it's possible that he's saying this in addition He's not saying it to exclude the willow. He's saying in addition to the willow mitzvah that everybody agrees with, there was also this thing of placing these additional lulavim around the mizbeach, and that's why he called it the day of the branches and so on. The Gemara says, Tana makom It was a place um, that, uh, we're talking about the place from which they would uh, gather these willows. It was makom kelanya. It was ben chorin min amas shel melech. It was a non-taxed, a tax-exempt area. Okay, so uh, the, the area from which they would, uh, because it was, I guess, for religious purposes or whatever. Why did they call it Mutza? Because, precisely because of that. Because since it was exempt from the tax of the king, they called it Mutza, outside, taken out, because it was exempted from the taxes. They would place the willows on the side of the Mizbeach. They were a bunch of them, and they were long, and they were 11 amot amma. So they would be hanging an amma over the Mizbeach. They were 11 amot high, so they would be hanging an amma over the Mizbeach. Now the thing is, It can't be that they placed the willows on the floor then, on the ground. Why? Because if they were only 11 amot high, and they leaned them against the Mizbeach, and they were actually, their bottom was on the ground, they wouldn't hang an amma over the Mizbeach. Why? Because if you're going to say that they put an 11 amma long arava on the ground and it reached over the Mizbech, a whole amma michdi, ala amma, the kanas amma, zeu yisod. Now we know the way the Mizbech worked. It went up an amma, in other words, they made multiple um, rectangular uh, or, or square uh, shapes, basically. And, um, and each one 
had a certain dimension. So the first one that they had, and Rashi gives the whole uh, gives the whole description, but basically they had a thirty-two by thirty-two ama square um, filled with other things uh, inside, and that was the bottom layer of the mizbeach, and then it would indent by one ama. So that and so they, it would go up one ama, and then they indented by one ama, and they put a thirty by thirty square on top of that, and then uh, uh, and that's that. Um, area that indent was called the yisod. That first ama indent was called the yisod, and now you're only an ama off the ground so far. Um, and then, and then the next part goes up. Allah chamesh five more amot up. So now you're at a six ama height. The kanas ama and an indent of another ama. In other words, they put another square that was indented further, which is only twenty eight amot square. Um, it, uh, so that there would be an indent again of an ama on both sides. Right, so you need it to be actually two amot shorter than the one under it, so there would be an indent of an amot on both on all four sides. And so then you have there that's called the soviv, the area that amot that was created, that amot indent that was created, uh, is where the kohanim would walk. Allah shalosh. Then you go up another three amot. So so far we went up one and indented. We went up five and indented. We go up three. So now we've gone up a total already of nine. This is where the horns of the altar begin. Right, so the problem is how it would be possible for the Aravot to lean over the Mizbeach because if you have to consider that not only do they have to have the height of the Mizbeach but they also have to have you have to take into account the indent that there is so that actually is more space more distance for those Aravot to traverse because if you were to put the um, Aravot on the ground and lean them towards the Mizbeach so not only do you have to um, consider that there's nine Amot from the floor up to the uh, up to where the uh, corners, uh, the horns of the altar are, because it went up one, then up five, then up another uh, three. So you're going to have to also in- include the indent at one ama point and the indent at the fifth five ama point. So those two indents add another two. So that's already eleven amot that the um, the aravot have to travel, and they haven't even gotten to the top yet, let alone hanging over uh, the top of it. So therefore, you must say. That uh, obviously they placed it on the yisod, and since they placed it on the yisod, which was already an ama, or really uh, an, already an ama up, and plus um, indented an ama already, so it would be able to lean from there and reach the top with its only eleven amot and reach over the mizbeach and ama shemamina, and that's the conclusion of the gemara that actually since you in since you. Uh, um, you uh, place the uh, the aravot on the yisod that cuts down the height enough that they, that an eleven ama long arava will be able to hang over the mizbeach those that one ama. Amar Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba said, "Mike, where is the pasuk for this?" That isru here means to surround. So it's saying that the um, that the avotim, which it's taking here to mean the uh, it's taking here to mean the willows are surrounding the mizbeach. Up to its horns, so the idea is that um, that they that this is the pasuk uh, from which we learn the idea that these aravot have to be as high as the horns of the mizbeach. So, in other words, it goes up to the to the height of the mizbeach, and then the uh, the kranot were another ama higher than that. So that's where you find that the um, that the uh, aravot would reach to from that pasuk. Anybody who shakes the lulav in its uh, in its combination in its package, and the hadas 
um, together with its uh, with the uh, with the aravot malei alav katuv kiilu banam zvach begu alav korban that um, that it's considered to be as if you built the mizbeach and you offered a korban on it. Uh, where do we get that from? Shenemar isru chag ba'avotim. Here, the word isru means aguda. The the package um, is ba'avotim with the avotim, which is the hadas, which is uh, which has the um, is called the uh, uh, the etz avot because it has the three leaves coming out of each point. Ad karnota mizbeach means it's considered as if you had what is thrown on the horns of the altar, which is the blood that's thrown on the horns of the altar. In other words, the fact that you brought the lulav in its um, together with the hadas wrapped in the package is considered as if you brought a korban uh, on the mizbeach because of that pasuk. Now Amar Yirmiya Mishum Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai for Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon Hamchosi Mishum Rabbi Yochanan Hamakoti. So we have different sources for this. Rabbi Yirmiya saying in the name of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Rabbi Yochanan saying it in the name of Rabbi Shimon Hamchosi in the name of Rabbi Yochanan Hamakoti. Kol Ha'ose Isur Lechag Ba'Chilah Ushtiyam Alav Katuv Kilu Banav Zbech Vekiv Alav Korban. Now, the, most people interpret this to mean that anybody who the day after the holiday also makes a joyous day and a happy day and a celebration with eating and drinking. It says if he built a mizbeach and he offered a korban, if a person makes an isruchag ba'avotim, here Rashi says they're interpreting as meaning animals that are fat. Avotim means thick. So it means you made a, a celebration with eating and drinking of, of wine and meat, seemingly. So a person who does that is as if you brought a korban. In other words, it's a very special zechut to extend the joy of the holiday an additional day. Rashi says, no, isruchag ba'avotim doesn't necessarily mean that you made a uh, that you made something the day after the holiday. It means if you have a gathering, a joyous gathering on the holiday, that's called isruchag, gathering for the holiday. Um, anytime you have a mitzvah, you never fulfill it. Unless it's the way that the thing grows in nature, because it says that the wood of the of the mishkan had to be standing up, meaning standing up the way that it was the way that it stood when it was part of the tree. Meaning to say, as it says in the Brayta, that whatever when they took the wood off of the tree and they would put it as a um, they would put it as a board, the board had to be standing up the same direction, the same way that it was when it was part of the tree. Alternatively, what it means is that you attach the um, the gold plating of those boards. You don't just stick it on, but you actually have to attach it and um, make sure that it is firmly affixed to the wood. And that's what it means, omadim. It means that you have to make sure that the um, their overlay of gold is attached properly. Another thing, omadim, shemesh tomar, avad zivram, Why does it say... Uh, that the wood of the Mishkan is standing, it means that you might have thought that the Mishkan is now something obsolete, it's something from the past, it's no longer relevant, it's no longer significant. It has eternal significance, it's eternally there, even though right now it's missing, ultimately will be brought back, and it has a significance even for the future. That's why it says Omdim, meaning Omdim forever. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, I could exempt the entire world with my zechut, because of my great zechut, I could exempt the entire world from any judgment from Hashem. Yom shenivreti ad'ata, from the time, shenivreti v'ad'ata, that uh, from the time that I was born until now, I could, ex- I could cover for all of the sins that have been done uh, in the world from the time that I was born until now. 
ולמלא אלעזר בני אימים יום שנברא העולם, and if my son Elazar is counted together, the two of us, our zechud is so powerful, we could save the world from all of the sins that have been done from the beginning of the world, ועד עכשיו, until now. ולמלא יותם בן עוזיהו אימנו, and if יותם, the son of עוזיהו המלך, were with us, מיום שנברא העולם, עד סופו, then not only would we cover all of the sins that happened until now, from the beginning of the creation, but even until the end of the world. And Rashi explains why was it, why was it that עוזיהו's son, יותם, was so great? He says because he was very humble, He was very self-effacing. He didn't hold himself up to be so... Because of his great humility. Um, and uh, the, the Rabbeinu Hananel has a different interpretation that no, what made him special was that he didn't receive any reward for his righteousness in this world. And so therefore he has a whole storehouse of zechut for, uh, that it was never spent in this world and that could have been spent, so to speak, to cover for the sins of the other people in the world. Amar um, Mishum. He said, I've seen the people who are B'nai Aliyah, the people who have the opportunity to receive the divine presence. And it's a very small number of people. Im elefen, if there are a thousand, aniu b'nai mehen. I and my son are among them. Im meahem, aniu b'nai mehen. Then I know, even if there's only a hundred, I know that I'm one of them and my son is one. Im shnaimen, aniu b'nai mehen. And if there are only two, then aniu b'nai mehen. It's me and my son. Oh, so the question is, are there really so few people who are, are worthy of uh, receiving the divine presence? How could that be? Doesn't, didn't uh, Rava say that there are 18,000 rows around, uh, so to speak, around the Divine Presence? Meaning that there are, uh, and there's another, uh, there's another girsa here, there's another version of the text, which is there are, That um, same thing. The idea is that there were there are eighteen uh, thousand rows of people who are worthy of receiving the shechina. Obviously, that's uh, a lot of people. It's not such a small number. It depends. There are different levels. There are those who have no filter, no uh, no screen in between them and the divine presence. That is a very small number. And then there are those that have a screen interrupting, and those are a larger number. Um, and then the question is, still, are there really so few that get to perceive the divine presence with clarity? Uh, it says, Didn't Abaye say that there's never less than 30, than th- uh, a minimum of 36, the Lamed Vav Tzadikim, 36 Tzadikim that receive the Divine Presence every day. Because it says, happier all those who yearn for Him. Lo means, Lamed Vav The Lo means uh, 36, because the Gematria is Lamed is 30 and Vav is 6. So what does that mean? That means that there are at least 36 people on that level every single day. So how could it be that there are so few over time of people who are B'nai Aliyah, who are worthy of receiving the Divine Presence? So it says, no. It depends. There are some who come in with permission, meaning there are some, Rashi uh, says, Bereshut or below Rishut. In other words, those who can come in yeah, based on their own Zuchut alone, they don't need a special permission, are very few. Those who need a special permission are more, but they need a special permission in order to get it. What did they say when they would leave the Beit HaMikdash on the days of Sukkot? They would say, they would praise the Mizbech and they would praise Hashem, but that's a problem. According to Rabbi Eliezer, they're praising the Mizbech and praising Hashem. 
How could that be? Anybody who combines the name of Hashem with another thing and praises both of them is uprooted from the world. You're only allowed to praise God. So how could you praise the Mizbech and Hashem? So it says, You would say two phrases. To Hashem, we are thankful, we, are, we acknowledge and appreciate. And, and we praise you, meaning it was In other words, they were two separate phrases. One that they would praise Hashem and one that they would praise the Mizbeach for its utility in providing them with Kapara with the, um, with the atonement that they needed so much on Yom Kippur. So based upon that, it was split into two phrases so that Hashem's name would not be coupled together with the name of something else that was also being praised.